Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wildcard Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Monday, December 13th. I'm your host, Jason Moser. And on this week's financial show, well, folks, 2021 is just about a wrap. And for those of you who've listened for a while now, you know that one of my favorite shows to do is my partner in crime's preview of the year to come. That's right, folks. It's certified financial planner Matt Frankel and his five, count them, five bold predictions for the stock market in 2022. Matt, what's going on? Oh, not much. It's a beautiful, but a little chilly day here in South Carolina, but pretty nice. I see a Christmas tree behind you. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a little, a little Christmas getting, trees. It's getting festive everywhere. You know, it's getting festive. It's nice. It's I think that that weather's contagious. It's up here too. It's nice. <laughs> it's a little chilly, but uh, it's starting to feel like Christmas, which is is nice. You know, I'm I'm excited for the uh, for the holiday season. Hope everyone else out there is too. And Matt, you know, much like much like the Masters kicks off spring <laughs> in Augusta. Your five bold predictions to me really do tell us that the new year is upon us. And and so I always enjoy going through this uh, piece because, I, you know, I, I'm always learning something new from you. But I, I just enjoy the perspective. I like the bold nature of the predictions. As you say, they're not meant to all... Uh, all come true, maybe because because they're bold predictions. But but nevertheless, uh, it seems like you have a good time putting this list together. Yeah, they're like bold predictions, but not so bold that they're like you know not going to happen. Like they're, they're <laughs> things that could plausibly happen, but not the most likely. Well, let's talk about the plausib- plausibility then, because uh, you know, as, as as we like to do, we 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 uh, hit rewind and, and and look at your 2021 predictions and and how that has unfolded, right? I mean, we uh, about a year ago, we we did another show like this where we talked about your bold predictions for 2021. So so as we get the show kicked off here, let's talk about those 2021 predictions and and how that's gone so far. Yeah, for whatever reason, I only made four predictions in 2021. Uh, maybe. I wanted to give myself a chance of going 50-50. Maybe that was what was going on. Um, But here, I'll go through them one at a time. So number one, I predicted that the economic reopening in the U.S. would be quicker than anticipated, uh, especially in regards to uh, vaccine availability. Uh, Remember, at at first, a lot of places, a lot of people thought we wouldn't have widespread availability till like October. Um, You know, it was going to take to the fall before anyone could get a vaccine. And that turned out not to be the case. It turned out to be earlier than anticipated. Um, I think by it was by May in most places where you could just walk in and get a vaccine whenever you wanted to. Um, so that made the economic reopening happen quicker than expected. A lot of people didn't think everything was going to essentially reopen by the summer last year, and it did. So I'd call that one a success um, in, in terms of prediction. I agree. I agree. Um, so number two, it's a little bit not as black and white here. So number two, I predicted that the reopening stocks would outperform the S&P 500. Now, generally, that has been the case. The S&P is up by about 25% year to date. Um, Most reopening stocks have had a good year. Uh, Hotel stocks have done really well. A lot of the real estate stocks in the reo... We talked about the the retail basket that's done really well. Um, But I specifically called out some stocks that happened to underperform. (laughs) Um, Like I specifically called out Empire State Realty, the office REIT, which office space is still kind of, you know, up in the air at this point. Uh, Delta Airlines uh, is one I called out that underperformed. 
So reopening stocks as a group outperformed, but the ones I called out other than Simon Property Group, which destroyed the market, um, <laughs> haven't done so hot. So I'll call that one a 50-50. I'll call that neutral. Well, what about what about number three? Because this this was yeah, you know, I mean this was this was kind of like you said, it, it was like the, the George Costanza of bold predictions, right? Yeah, number number three, uh, I was clearly wrong. Yeah, it um, did the opposite. <laughs> yeah, I predicted the S and P would decline. Just and the reason being, uh, the S and P has gotten so top heavy with companies like Apple, Microsoft, Google, like making up so much of the index. And I I thought those companies would have a rough year during the reopening. I was wrong. Um, they they I mean Apple's about to hit a three trillion dollar market cap for the first time ever. Um, so as an Apple shareholder, I'm not that mad about it. But I, my <laughs> prediction was kind of wrong. The emotional hedge. The yeah. emotional hedge. What about number four? Four was oil. I predicted oil would be over seventy dollars a barrel by the end of the year. At the time, that was probably the boldest prediction on this list. I think oil was something in the '40s when I made that prediction. Um, and people were saying we were going to have cheap gas and cheap oil for a long time, um, but right now it's just over seventy dollars. It's about seventy-one fifty as I'm as I'm talking. Um, so, with with a few weeks in a, it left in the year, it's kind of too early to call that one. But so far, I'm, it's it's definitely headed in the right direction, and especially being how low it was when I made the call, I I, I have to feel good about that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, I, I think it makes perfect sense. I mean, I would give it to you, but but I appreciate your integrity there. That's uh, you know, we'll wait till the end of the year. But either way, I think even if it's just slightly below, I'd at least yeah. give you a half. Like I said, right? that, that was probably the boldest out of the out of the original <laughs> four. Well, okay, let's let's go ahead and talk about 2022 here because I mean, it's December 13th. We've only got. Uh, really, just a handful of days here left in the year, and uh, 2022 is just, just going to get ready to get started here. So, what what are your bold predictions for 2022? Uh, number one, and these are kind of in order from least bold to most, I guess you would say. Right. Uh, number one is that value stocks are finally going to start to outperform growth stocks. Oh man, I would love for you just to go ahead and tweet that out after we get <laughs> done taping, and just man, watch. Watch all the, the the growth investors just descend on you. Well, man. and that's, that's a that's, it's that's it's pretty bold. Uh, I mean, <laughs> gro- growth stocks uh, over the past decade, growth stocks have doubled the return of value stocks as a whole. If you look at like the Vanguard Growth ETF versus the Vanguard Value ETF, it's been about double the total return over the past decade. And in most individual years, growth has outperformed. I just think that value stocks have generally a lot more to gain, and the market is kind of tiring of these high valuations. Well, it feels like we're seeing a little bit of that rotation now, wouldn't you say? I mean, that that, that, that I know it's a buzzword, rotation out of one sector into another, but the reality of the matter is that is what happens, right? I mean, you see this, this sort of bigger picture interest shifting from one sector of the market to another. I mean, there is a rotation out of growth into something else, and it does feel like what you're saying there, uh, maybe there is some more interest in value. Yeah, there's a lot that can cause it. Um, for example, when interest rates rise, it makes investors think twice about the high-valued growth stocks. Um, you know, things like that. So, I I just think that the growth stocks have kind of had their moment at this point. But I thought that last year, and that's the one that I got wrong. Um, so, I, I think this year might be finally the the time for value. Well, well, we will obviously uh, be paying close attention to that. Uh, what about number two? The Fed will raise rates quicker than expected but we'll have a tough time getting inflation under control. 
I like that. I like well, that. I mean, I don't like inflation. Don't get me wrong, but I like that. Sure. I like the prediction. We've already seen that the transitory inflation thing is. I mean, on the day I wrote this article, the Fed uh, announced that they were going to retire the word transitory because that was obviously <laughs> wrong. Um, but even right now, even today, the predictions still call for either no rate hikes or one rate hike in 2022, like between zero and one. I'm predicting that the Fed will raise interest rates at least twice in 2022, if not three times, and that it's going to find inflation a lot more difficult to control than they think. I think inflation will run over 3% for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. I mean, I was never really on board with transitory. Um, I think it's kind of funny that they decided they needed to retire the word from their uh, verbiage in, in the in the meetings because I think they've finally kind of realized it's, it's not really the case. But uh, yeah, that strikes me. That strikes me as is a uh, pretty plausible plausible scenario. What about uh, bold prediction number three? Well, I will say before I get to that, uh, pe- people my age and your age. We really haven't had to deal with inflation in our adult lifetimes. No, not really. So, so most <laughs> of the people like making these predictions today really don't know what to, to think about it. Yeah, uh, well, and I mean, it's really interesting, you know. I, I just before we go to the next uh, prediction, I mean, I, I inflation is one of those things that we we taught like when we were doing that full school uh, stuff at at HQ back back when HQ was open. Um, you know, we would have kids come in fifth, sixth, seventh grade. And we would teach them about inflation. And we would actually just, we would just, you know, hey, this was the price of a gallon of milk back in 1990. This is what it is today. This is what it was back, you know, bananas, bread. So you just, you could see it really does exist. And trying to explain to them that over time, if you put that $100 bill into a piggy bank, that's great. You're protecting that wealth. But the longer you leave it there, the more destructive it becomes because inflation really does eat that up. Like, I mean, I was born during a very inflationary time in the early 1980s. And and I mean through the nineties it remained kind of elevated, you know, in the four to five percent a year range certain years. But in the two thousands, twenty tens, we really have not seen big inflation. And so I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But yeah, with that in mind, let's get to number three. Let's do it. Um this is and now we're starting to get a little bit bolder. The housing market will have another double digit gain in twenty twenty two. Whoa. Really? That's one that I've gotten the most pushback on so far, uh, surprisingly to me. Interesting. Um, Interesting. And it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a don't don't bet against the trend. Um, the uh, in the third quarter, U.S. home prices uh, increased by eighteen and a half percent year over year, just throughout the nation. That's the average. So some markets were in the twenties and thirties. Now, that's a high increase. There are things driving it though, like lower mortgage rates and unfortunately high demand and few and low inventory of houses. Those things might sound temporary, but I think there are some permanent catalysts that are going to keep prices going higher. Um, for example, they just they recently announced that the conforming mortgage limit's going to raise rise by about a hundred thousand dollars next year. Oh which wow, makes that's it, meaningful. Which, which makes it easier for buyers to finance homes that have appreciated in value. Um, the FHA has announced a similar increase to the FHA lending limits. So su- supply is kind of limiting home builders' ability to make new homes right now, or I mean, um, supply chain and uh, labor disruptions rather. But we're seeing massive backlogs in in the home builders. Uh, one of the ones that I follow, Dreamfinders Homes, that I've talked about on this show, they announced their highest backlog ever, and uh, just recently, other home builders are seeing the same. Um, I just feel like there's so much pent up demand that it's going to keep these 
the price increase is going for at least another year. Yeah, it does feel like the attitude on the ground out there today is still very, uh, very high demand. I mean, we we anecdotally just sold our uh, we we had a little a little home down on the river here that we uh, just decided to sell. We don't get to use it that often, and uh, so we put it on the market. And within three days, I mean, just immediately three offers, all well above what we were asking. I mean, the demand is just out there. And, and, you know, it's December. (laughs) It's the middle of December. So it feels like that is going to bleed into 2022. I actually like that. I like that call, too. Uh, Okay, what about number four? Because this was really a big theme of 2021. Um, leaving some investors out there who can't see the forest for the trees a little bit salty. But what what about number four here? Yeah, so I'm getting to my bolder predictions now. Um, <laughs> number four is that SPACs will make a comeback. Um, you know, they, I'm not saying that we're going to see early 2021 happen again, where I think one of the shows we did, there was something like 12 SPACs that went public that day. Probably. Um, and we, and I mean, we did that whole series, right? We did like right. four, we did four shows, just a series of specs. And I think each show I gave the statistic on how many went public that week. And it was like in the forties <laughs> and fifties certain weeks. It was I don't lot. think we're going to see that again. But what I do think is we are going to see a wave of more prominent companies go public by spec again. We're going to see some more high profile sponsors decide to get back into the spec game. Yeah. Because I mean, some of these companies that we're issuing one, two, and three SPACs or whatever in 2021. Uh, Virgin, for example, um, have kind of pumped the brakes and haven't put out any new blank check companies. Uh, Virgin's took public 23andMe, and they just announced their second one is taking public the Grove Collaborative. It's an organic uh, foods company, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they hadn't put out one since the second one, which was like in the middle of the year. So I, I could see these companies that are finally starting to get their SPACs worked through the process, getting back into it. And I think early 2022, you're not necessarily going to see what we saw last year, but you're going to see a kind of resurgence in the SPAC boom. Yeah. Well, I mean, we just saw Harley Davidson, right? They're going to spin out their electric bike business live wire. That's going to, that's going to go, uh, that's going to go public uh, in 2022 via SPAC. So yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think we're going to continue to see it. Um, maybe, maybe not the same headline, uh, news that we saw through 2021, but it does give businesses a chance to go public earlier and not to say that every one of those businesses is is a good one, but there are some good businesses that come from this. And, uh, it's just, it's worth keeping that in mind. Don't, don't throw the, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater as they say, right? Uh, okay, Matt, I guess that brings us to the final and fifth bold prediction for 2022. And, you know, I got to say, this this is another uh, this is another bold one. This is another bold one. You're going to get some pushback, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if you thought the growth stock thing was going to make people mad on Twitter, <laughs> um, number five is that cryptocurrencies are going to have a rough year in 2022. Yeah, what makes you say that? Well... It's kind of like I'm. I, it's th- along the same lines as my thoughts about growth stocks is that the appetite for speculation is just kind of running out. Um, higher interest rates, things like that, are really going to, you know, it's going to cause investors to pump the brakes on speculation, and it's going to trickle down to the cryptocurrency markets because at the end of the day, cryptocurrencies and growth stocks are more linked than people like to think. Yeah. Um, in terms of who invests in them, um, so. You're going to see a lot of investors start to pump the brakes. And 
since I wrote this article, Bitcoin's already down by like 10%. <laughs> um, so I guess I'm, I'm – I mean, technically, the, the clock starts in January. Somebody leaked the info. Someone, Someone leaked our <laughs> show notes. <laughs> so it was – yeah, Tim just said it was my fault. Um, <laughs> but since the beginning of 2020, like pre-pandemic, Bitcoin is up by se- about 700%. Ethereum's up by 3,400%. Um, since the beginning of 2020. And that was already after a big multi-year kind of rally. Um, I mean, look at like a five, six-year chart of Bitcoin and you'd be kicking yourself for not buying it. But I think that's going to kind of start to run out. I think it's going to take a step backward. We got a surge of institutional interest in 2021. I think if growth, if I'm right and growth stocks have a rough year, you're also going to see a lot of institutions start to pump the brakes on on crypto. Um, so I, I'm predicting a decline of 20% or more. I put a number on it, 20% or more in All 2022. Well, you've quantified it. That's, uh, yeah, it, crypto's, it's just a tricky one. You're right. I mean, I think the risk the risk profile is very similar. Folks who are, you know, part of that growth that growth movement, um, very similar similar risk profile to those who, who invest in those cryptocurrencies. So it will be interesting to see maybe as 2022 unfolds, if we, we see sort of the the tail ends of, of any stimulus and the impact that's had on helping people sort of pad their bank accounts is kind of start needing to get people back to work and those accounts become a little bit more depleted if maybe that tolerance for risk doesn't start to abate um, at some point in 2022 for, for some. Maybe we just don't see as much about crypto and meme stocks and, and things like that, but that'll it'll certainly be uh, stuff worth following for sure. Um but Matt, hey, listen. I mean, this this is always a lot of fun. I think I think you you know I'm a a big fan of these lists that you publish, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time to sit in and review your 2021 predictions and preview the boldness of your 2022 predictions. <laughs> of course, always fun to be here and go through all these things with you. Hopefully, I'm hopefully I get at least two out of the th- two out of the five. Oh well, we'll we're gonna keep track and we will come <laughs> back to it. I promise. All right. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that's gonna do it for us this week. Remember, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at MF Industry Focus or drop us an email at industryfocus at fool.com. As always, people on the program may have an interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Thanks, as always, to Tim Sparks for putting the show together for us. For Matt Frankel, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.